Well, most of you don't know me. I'm Matt Powell's dad. I can claim him. I can claim this young lady in the front row. She's my first wife, by the way. Uh, we got married 31 years ago. We have five kids. We're five in heaven. So we're very blessed. And uh, just so good to be with you folks tonight. Uh, my name is Steve Powell. I'm an evangelist from the, the uh, uh, Michigan area by Grand Rapids. And I hope that the message I have tonight will be a blessing to you. I want to talk to you tonight about your retirement. Your retirement. That's going to be something different than I think you've ever heard before. Okay. So, and what I'm going to do in these five pages of notes I've got here, very well worn, is I'm going to compare man's retirement with God's retirement. And I want you to tell me what you think is best. Matter of fact, um, I'm going to be kind of interactive. I'm going to be up and down the aisles. I'm going to be, you know, really animating this thing as well as I can. But uh, let's start with prayer before we do, because I'd really like the Holy Spirit to show up and to guide my words as I do this. Father, I just come to you right now in the precious name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, um, to bind the devil and his demons to open the eyes of the people, to show us what you would have us to, to learn from your scriptures tonight on this matter of retirement. Because, Lord, uh, we know that you're coming again one day, uh, not like the world says or like mainstream Christianity says, that our clothes will just fall off at any moment and we'll be with you. We're going to go through some tough times, Lord, and we know that. And, Lord, uh, I just want to uh, be ready for what comes our way and uh, be able to redeem the time and win as many souls and teach as many people in the meantime while we're waiting for you. In the precious name of Jesus, bless us. Amen. Amen. All right. You take your retirement. How many of you? I'm, I'm 58 years old. I'm going to be 58 here um, actually in December. So I've lived a fruitful life. I've, uh, I got saved when I was 14 years old. In a Bible church down south. So um, I just went to a church service one night. My mom my mom came home. She got saved from a, a, a set of tent meetings that went on down in West Virginia, Hagerstown, Maryland area. My mom got saved. We were Lutheran. I didn't know anything about going to church on a Wednesday night. But my mom came home and she told me, we're going to be going to church on Wednesday. So I said, we don't go to church on Wednesday. We're Lutheran. She says, no, we're going to be going to church on Wednesday. She went to this tent revival and got saved. Dr. Lee Robertson led my mom to Christ, you know, from the sword of the Lord a long time ago. So I went, and the first night I went, I got saved. It was talking in the book of Revelation. It's talking about John being caught to the third heaven, seeing the golden candlesticks, lampstands, and things. And he, uh, he turned around, he saw Christ in his glory, and it blew him off his feet. And, uh, you know, he's all trembling and stuff. And the Lord comes up to him and says, fear not, John, it is I. And that preacher in that church of probably five to 600 people pointed his finger out at the audience and said, you're all going to meet Jesus one day. You're either going to meet him as your savior or as your judge. And I got under such conviction that night, it's a 14-year-old kid. I was up in the balcony, probably the last row, as far back as you can get. I ran down the stair steps. Went up front, grabbed that guy and said, what must I do to be saved? I'm one of them guys. <laughs> That's what happened to me that night. Amen. 14 years old. 
Okay, so just a little bit of an overview of who I am and uh, where I come from, my background. And I didn't get saved because I turned from all my sins either. Amen. I got saved because I turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and I put my faith and trust in Him at 14. Amen. And when all this battle for repentance came out years ago, you know, uh, I was just standing for what the Bible says. Because my preacher used to tell me, look, this is the Bible. And he held this one up, by the way. The authorized King James, you know, the inspired one. Yeah. He held this up and said, you know, if there's any errors in this, you know, just ask him to show you. And, you know, I, I just, I stood on this book. This is the book. This is the word. You know, God said you're going to live by every word of God. So we must have somewhere, in the, you know, when the devil came in uh Tested Jesus when he was hungered after 40 days. You know, he says, uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. So I just saw uh, either smart or dumb enough to believe that somewhere in the world there's a book that has every word that God, you know, spoke to us. Not 64,000 words missing like in the NIV or, the, you know, the, the other versions that aren't inspired. I, a lot of people call that the non-inspired version. Or the Hell's International version, the HIV, you know. I've heard of that too. All right, but getting back to the man's retirement plan. I, I'm sitting, well, this past summer, the Lord gave me this message. I was just thinking about it. I've never heard anybody preach anything like this. Never in my life. So I, the Lord started giving me these ideas, and I just started penning them down over several days. I mean, you can see, this got wet one time, some coffee got spilled on it. And some different things, but there's, there's just notes everywhere here for this. And I was going to add more, more uh, notes to it today, but we went out and we had a wonderful lunch. My daughter-in-law was able to see her sister for the first time in years, and it was just wonderful. We had a great time. But with man's retirement, now correct me if I'm wrong, but most of us, we start working with about the time we're 16 years old. And Uncle Scam, they start taking taxes out by the time you're 16 years old. And they're going to pay for abortions in Yugoslavia and, uh, you know, all these things all over the world. Uh, that you don't have any, you know, say in what, where your money goes, do you? But you're paying taxes on that. Then you're paying taxes on your tax, and taxes on your tax and your tax. You just keep paying tax. So from the time you pay FEMA. Anybody want to tell me what FEMA was back when I was 58 years old, was 16, and I'm paying FEMA? Why? Why am I paying? I think we're going to start seeing what FEMA was about right now, but we didn't know what FEMA was about then. Okay? But we're getting all these taxes. So with man's retirement plan, you start working at 16, and you work till you're 65 years old. So you're working a good 50 years or close to, aren't you? And at the end of that 50 years, um, you're gonna you're gonna maybe start drawing your you know your uh, your retirement plan. And some of you, you know what a 401k is? Anybody here got a 401k? All right, what happens? When your 401k gets invested by your company in a high-risk stock or bond, and they lose it all overnight, where's your 401k that you put? You know, you put your half in, and the company puts its half in, and you know, somewhere you're going to meet in the middle, and you're going to have all this money stored aside, right, for when you're old, like me. But the 401k, they get they get uh, invested in bad investments, and what happens? Those 401ks go by the wayside. There's no more 401k. That's what happened to my stepdad, Jim. He had worked for American Axle. He worked for General Motors. He worked for Mack Truck there in Hagerstown, Maryland. He worked all over the place. But he had invested money here. He had bought stocks here. He had bought bonds here. And then one day in uh, the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, remember when American Axle folded? 
And all that stuff went. He lost, I think it was $50,000, $60,000 overnight. It was just gone. The stock market. You're going to put your money in the stock market. And uh, what's going to happen when that stock bellies up and you don't have that stock anymore? You know, I've seen people put huge amounts of money. One of my sons, Jonathan, he likes to put money in the stock market. He's put money in. He's made a few thousand here. He's put money in. He's lost several thousand here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't see where it really balances out. But you start 16 years old. You work 49 to 50 years or longer. Then you, you're able to have your retirement. Well, what does the Bible say? Somebody go to Psalm 90, verse 10. Psalm 90, verse 10. And while you're there, I'm going to ramble on a little bit. What's the Bible say, though, about that? Your stock market. Well, the stock market's backed by the U.S. government in a lot of ways, and we're, we're $27 plus trillion in debt. Anybody have any idea what $27 trillion is? Well, let's see. There's 300 million people in the United States. Do the math. How, many, how much money does each person in this room, according to even my grandson over there, six months old, how much money do we owe to pay the national debt off at $27 trillion? What's going to happen when that falls? What's going to happen when the money doesn't spend anymore? What are we going to do then? Mother beast. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. But let's just say it doesn't happen for a few years. 5, 10, 15, 20 years, which I highly doubt, because we're starting to see the beast system getting lined out already. Yeah. I mean, you guys have all watched this, you know, the Revelation series or, you know, after the tribulation, things like that. You know what's coming. But I think some things are just going to kind of blindside us. They're coming that fast. They really are. But we're going to work 49, 50, 55, 60 years. And then what's going to happen? You're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna only draw your retirement because somebody got that. Follow along with me if you're there. Psalm 90 verse 10. The Bible says the days of our years are three score years and ten. How many is that? Score is 20, 20, 40, 60 plus 10, 70 years. So the Bible basically says you're gonna live about 70 years. And then it says, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's 80 years. Uh, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You know, you can fly up out of here. You're going you're to leave this body. You know, you're made in the image of God. You're body, soul, and spirit. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is that trinity. You know, there's that movement that tries to say, well, Jesus and, and the Father are the same person. I've had people try to cram that down my throat. That don't go real well when the Jesus was saying in the garden, Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but thine be done. He didn't want to die on that cross, but he had to. There was no other way. But he, he surrendered his will. So let's just do a little simple math. Okay? Let's say you work 50 years. You start at age 16, and you, you retire when you're 65, 66. So you work 50 years, right? And the Bible says you're going you're gonna to live to about 70 to 80 years. So what do you got there? You got maybe 20 years to enjoy this. Anywhere, some people die a lot earlier than that. So you might get 5 to 15, 20, 25 years of what you paid in back. Okay? Now, some people are able to keep their 401ks. They're able to keep these things. They're able to have something to put into their retirement until they, until they die. But how many of these Walmart stores do you guys go to? And you see the McSeniors out there at the Walmarts. They're greeting you at the doors. 
because they've lost all their money in whatever. They didn't have the money to, to uh, pay for whatever. And with inflation today, how much do you actually get for your money? What's a dollar actually worth today? But in God's economy, that's not so. Number one, let's, uh, let's just uh, put them side by side here. You got man's retirement plan. Starts at 65. You're usually, you're usually dead by 70, right? So you've paid in all those years. You get five years back. Maybe 5, 10, 15 years, and you're done with man's plan. But man's plan is also included in God's retirement plan. Because he's not going to be outdone. He's not going to be outdone by man's plan. You know you're working on the Great Commission? You know he's going to build you a mansion over in Gloryland? He's going to build you a mansion. Some people, I think, when they get to their mansion, they're not going to have anything in their mansion. They're just going to have a place to live, and that's it. No, They're going to have a mansion, but nothing else. So think about that. You're working on a great commission. You win a soul to Christ. You do some, some other things for Christ. What's he, what's he going to give you back? Well, you know, somebody go to Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37, 23. I'll give you a minute to get there. God is not going to be overdone, outdone by man's ways here. You know the thing with man's retirement, too? I'll let you guys, you probably all are already there. We were just in Psalms. All right. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in, in his way. So the steps of a good man are already ordered. You're already, you're, your life's already ordered. You're living for Christ. You're, your life's ordered by him. How can you get better than that? You know, your body right now in man's plan. You know, we got 5G coming out and all this kind of stuff that really modifies your body, you know, with all the other stuff they spray overhead and things. Not good for you. All the stuff they put in the food, you know, the aborted uh, nanoparticles from little infants that were aborted. Makes me so sick. It makes me so mad. But just stop and think about that. Our bodies are wearing out. What happens after your body wears out? Then you get sick, then you die. That's in, in man's plan. But in God's plan, your body lasts forever. You see, this body of mine that when I was really a stupid kid at 16 years old, I had my motorcycle and I'm riding around Martinsburg, West Virginia, and I run head on into a uh, 1968 Ford Cougar. I hit that thing head on. I ripped my left leg off. Matter of fact, this is all the left leg I got left from my accident. But you know what's going to happen to this leg? Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to rebuild it. He's going to make this young man's arm work like it never worked before. It's going to be your body, the same one, is going to get rebuilt. And it's never going to get sick again. And it's never going to die. And it's never going to suffer any sorrow or pain or anything anymore Amen. in God's retirement plan. That's awesome. When you stop to think about that, what do you got to look forward to in God's retirement plan? You're going to be like you're 18 years old again. You're going to be huffing across those fields. And you're never going to run out of here. Remember those days? Remember when you could run for miles and not get tired? Man, I can't walk for several steps and not get tired sometimes. <laughs> Especially after I eat. If I eat something that's got weed or something in it, I got food allergies, I get tired. My eyes just start to get droopy and stuff. You know, one day, our bodies are going to be just all the way back. And I don't care if you were in a car accident and the car exploded and your body's burnt with dust. God's going to bring that body back. Amen. It's going to be back. And it's never going to die again. 
So that's just to wet your whistle. But, you know, like I said, God's not going to be outdone. This retirement plan is awesome. He is not going to be outdone by man. Man, you know, he taxes you. Does God put any tax on you? Oh, no, 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 friend. He puts no tax on you. Matter of fact, he says, when you get up with me, he says, come and buy food without money. Come and, and uh, hey, you know what else he's going to do? When you get to heaven one day, and heaven's just a temporary place. But I'm going to get into that here in a second, too. It's temporary. Very temporary. It's going to be new heavens and a new earth where I dwell with righteousness. But you know what Jesus is going to do? Jesus isn't proud like a lot of the people I know. He's not proud. Matter of fact, he's going to gird himself and he's going to pull up beside you and he's going to say, hey, I got this, this, uh, this pan of food here. Would you like some of these grapes? Would you like some of this? Here, friend, here you are. I love you so much. Thank you for trusting me. Now that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful side of our Lord. Amen. What do you got today? That's called being humble. You know, God resisted the proud, but he gave the grace unto the humble. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't like it when people are proud. No. How about people in our movement that fight other people in our movement that are gospel-preaching people? No, no. Why do that? Hey, if you don't spit when you preach, you're not a good preacher. I tell you what. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We got people in this day and age that we live in right now. They'll take People that have the right repentance, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that will help you say, you know, the repentance is changing your mind from whatever you're believing in to believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. Amen. It's not turning from all your sins. It's not going and getting your tattoos laser removed. It's not taking your lucky strikes out of your pocket. It's Amen. not doing all this other stuff and then coming to Christ because that would be works, my friend. Amen. Right. And God doesn't want works. Not, not, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, but by his mercy he saved us. Amen. He Amen. saved us to the uttermost. But you got people in the good Baptist churches that uh, use the King James Bible, they have the right repentance, they go and knocking on doors. Hi, I'm from such and such a Baptist church. Don't hands from the straight hand, you know you have a home in heaven. Doing the same thing we do. But they'll fight you because you don't look exactly like they do. Or you don't act exactly like they do. Or you might be happy. They'll make fun of you. I want to tell you where the Lord's in that. You know, there's a song that someone wrote. I don't even know what the, what the name of the song is. I know what the, some of the words are. It says, and you'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And you'll know we are Christians by our love. But I think in, sometimes in our movement, we need to rewrite that. And we'll know they are Christians by their hate. By their hate. And we'll know they are Christians by their hate. God help us. Think about it, friend. A house divided can't stand. And if this keeps going on, everything to do with fundamentalism will fall apart. But the Lord said, when he returns to the earth, will he even find faith on the earth? That's how bad it's going to get. Take care of your families. Preach what the truth is. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. You're supposed to exhort people too. We don't do that enough. People know who you are talking about. I don't have to name any names. 
I just get tired of it. Because the Lord says, Yea, this, these six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven is an abomination. What's the seventh thing? They sow discord among the brethren. Don't sow discord among the brethren. The Lord hates that. See these brothers and sisters here? The Lord wants you to come together in unity. He wants you to, to live like a little piece of heaven on earth. But what's the devil do? The devil's the accuser of the saints. That's what he does. He wants to destroy every one of you and every one of your families. That's all he's living to do. He walks along, along as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, doesn't he? Let's stop letting him do it. I just got off on a little tangent there. Sorry, it's just, you know, salvation means so much to the Lord, and he wants us to preach it right. My gosh, preach it right. So, the ones out here that are attacking ones that preach it right, why don't they go find out a Mormon that's not preaching it right and attack him? Why don't you go find a charismatic that thinks you can lose your salvation and attack their false doctrine? Attack the ones that are teaching lies, not the ones that are teaching truth. I see it. I see it go on too much in my 58 years. And I just get tired of it. Okay? That kind of goes along with uh, no more pain. You know? <laughs> Former things have passed away. No more tears. I mean, how many tears have been shed? You think about that. Sickness, pain, tears. You know, in, in Christ's economy, it's going to be no more pain. Former things, death, passed away. No more tears. Ah, it's going to be a great day. How many times do you weep over something? You find out a good friend's been killed in a car accident or something. You hurt. You hurt over family members, you know, that uh, that don't quite love you like they used to, for whatever reason. But the Lord said that, when he, you know, one day that uh, the man's enemies were going to be those of his own household. How many of us have seen that? I sure have. You know, you build a house for your retirement, your dream house, in man's retirement. Which, by the way, God lets you have man's retirement, too. You have that just kind of like a teaser. I live in the house that I put up on my hill. My wife and I do. Our kids do. It's great. We love it. But, you know, that house is taxed yearly. If I don't pay my taxes after three years, what do they do to my house? What do they do to where we're at? They take it from us, don't they? They don't do that in God's economy. Matter of fact, Jesus went and he built me a mansion. Just over the hilltop, he built me a mansion. It's built by God. It's free. You know, if you gotta if you got to pay for your salvation, you don't have salvation, friend. Because it's free. And that's another thing. God's not gonna, he's not gonna be outdone by man. He's not gonna give you something you gotta work for. Or if you, you know, you walk a certain way, you'll keep your salvation. Oh, come on. Look at this. Where Paul said, in this flesh, I do no good. He said, that which I would do, I don't. That which I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what Paul said. We say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth's not in us. You got to, you know, die to self every day, die to sin. That's a daily thing, you know. Not like this preacher guy that Matt uh, debated a few weeks ago. He said he quit sinning. He doesn't sin anymore. I don't know how many times in there he told my son to go to hell. They had to mute it. Boy, I think that was a sin. A whole lot of stuff going on there that was sin. So scary people in this world, folks. He follows that guy, Pete Ruckman, who I think is roasting in hell, too, because he had about seven different plans of salvation. <laughs> I mean, he could do great little talk talks. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this with my talk. <laughs> I knew they were saved by legal obedience to the law in the Old Testament. 
And by bless God, they were saved by grace through faith after Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> and when he tells, isn't it? Well, if he believed that, he's going, ah, today. He's not going, oh, thank you, Lord. Whoso cometh to me, I shall know I cast out. But you got to come to him in the right way, don't you? Then you find the cross. Jesus, remember me, and thou comest into thy kingdom. Nine words. What did the other guy say? Yeah, you're God. Come on down off the cross and save us and save yourself too. Jesus all beat the smithereens, beer ripped out of his flesh. Breathing, you can hear his lungs going. Because the Bible says he was he was beat so bad you couldn't tell he was a man. His visage was so marred. The guy on the other side says, What tough not tough fear God? We deserve what we're getting, but this is God. He said, Jesus, remember me, and thou comest into thy kingdom, my words. What about the guy in the temple? The beat on his chest and said, God be merciful to be a sinner. Seven words. And he went down to his house justified. Or the other, the Pharisee, he said, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. I tithe of all I have. I give to the poor. I do all these wonderful works. And Jesus said, ah, the one that uh, beat on his chest was the one that went down. The other one, he didn't need it. He was perfect. Like a lot of people I know in the world that think they're perfect. Oh, no, we're all sinners. And when you're saved, you're a saved sinner. You're still going to sin. You're going to do it quite often. You're going to do it daily. But we need to die to self every day. You still, you know. So just to, to compare the plans, you know, when you die, you're going to go, I got so many notes here. I got I got to flip pages, folks. Matter of fact, I'm going to move this page over here so I can see it better. When you die, you go to a place called heaven. All right, you're going to go to heaven, and you're going to be there, the way I figure it, not very long. Because, you know, when uh, you know the midpoint comes, or actually when, when uh, the Lord shows himself in the clouds and we're raptured out and all that kind of stuff, you know, not when the secret rapture happens and you're just walking down the road and your clothes, clothes fall off. It'd be great to think if it was true. I wish it was true, brother. I really do. I wish we could just get out of here. You know, but it's not going to happen. I mean, some other things have to happen first. The way I look at it, you know, studying some stuff Pastor Anderson said and stuff, it looks like it's going to last about 75 days. I think them 75 days might get starting to clip into... I'd have to tell you why later, I think that. But uh, I think things are going to start really heating up for this whole COVID virus thing, the pandemic that we have to deal with. I, I didn't, I did, I, 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 they always spell it wrong in the signs. They leave the L out. Uh, they do. We've got, we've got a real issue going on here, folks. And it's not just in the United States of America. It's in the whole world. It's, uh, you know, it's been planned for a long time. You know, so my house is built by me. It's taxed yearly. If I don't pay my taxes, it's taken away. My mansion's built by God. It's free. I have no taxes there. Wow. He said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man that which God hath prepared for them that love him. That was our text verse. They read the whole chapter. That's our verse. So if I have not seen and ear hath not heard, you think God's got something special for you? You think he's going to rival man's plan with its 401ks? Or you think he's got something really, really, really special for you? 
I had my kids, you know, some, some you know, Matt's married. He's got uh, a young little six-month-old little strapping buck here. You know, I, I love little Pison. But, you know, my other sons, they're down 17 all the way up to 30. None of the others are married yet. They don't want to get married. But I'm here to tell you right now, in God's economy, if, if, if things go to hell in a handbasket shortly, and you're not able to get married, I told my all my sons this, God will make it up to you. I'll tell you what, he will make it up to you. Because if I have not seen, you have not heard, neither have ever entered into the heart of man, what God, which he's prepared for them to love him, he's got something really special there. You might get up into heaven and just put your arm on his shoulder like you're doing like that and have feelings like you never had in your life. I don't know. You know, you're going to have, he's going to have something so high above. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. He's got something so wonderful for you. Like I said, have it. if we all, if I'm driving home tonight and I fall asleep and we hit the median and we all die or hit a semi, Lord forbid it doesn't happen. But I'm only going to be in heaven a short time because then he's going to bring down new heavens and the new earth. But not only that, that's after the fact of a thousand year reign with Jesus. We have to rule and reign with him. Have you thought about that? Who are you ruling and reigning over? The people that made it through that time. You're ruling and reigning with Christ. Awesome. Think about it. Do I deserve to rule and reign with Christ Jesus, my Lord? I don't think so. He thinks so. I, I meant enough to, to him for him to die on the cross for me, have everything ripped out of him. He loved me that much. And I know the sinfulness of Steve Powell. And I know what he's doing in my life now. Awesome stuff. Ruling reign. You know, man's retirement, it ends when you die. Christ's retirement, it starts when you die. And it never, never, never ends. You go on and on and on. What a wonderful thing to be able to be on the new heavens and new earth. But before that, you're ruling and reigning for a thousand years a thousand years. And you know what it says? Death is going to be greatly slowed down. Our bodies are going to be all rebuilt. You know, if we've made it through, whatever, he's going to, he's going to rebuild. And even if you don't, he's going to rebuild these bodies and they're never going to get sick again. You're going to hit, they're never going to feel pain again. I've got people in my family that feel some pretty excruciating pain on a daily basis and have for years. And uh, all I can say is it won't be that way again. Not going to be that way. can't take this stuff with you. You know what you can do right now? I mean, it, it seems like a lot to go knocking on somebody's door. And I've got to where I go out about every week with my son, Jacob. He's gotten uh, so on fire for soul in it at 17. I wish when I was 17 years old, I had the fervor that he had for Christ. Right. He goes out every week. He wants, Dad, will you take me soul in? Dad, will you take me to this Sunday school? Dad, will you do? Yeah. Well, I'm taking him. We're going. And it's good. But I've been knocking doors. I don't care if the door say Black Lives Matter. I don't care if the door says, you know, uh, no soliciting. I don't care. I'm going to go up and I'm going to knock the door. I had a client looking through the door and pointing at the no soliciting. Well, I said, well, sir, ma'am, I'm not soliciting. I'm trying to tell you about a free gift. I'm trying to tell you how much Jesus loves you. That's it. Because, you know, and usually the Black Lives Matter people won't even come to the door. They won't come to the door. They, uh, 
really the whole thing is everybody's life matters. No matter if you're black, white, yellow, green, or blue. I don't care what color you are. You're all the same in God's sight. We're all of one blood. Doesn't matter. God doesn't look at us as racist. He looks at us as man. I didn't say where he said racist in my King James Bible. Yeah. By the way, you know, he was talking in the back of the church this morning about how they left the end off of Darwin's book, you know, the for preservation of favored races and the struggle for life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I like to have fun with priests. I'm sorry. Amen. Well, not only that, when the Lord comes, he'd only ever only let you keep that little piddly man's retirement. You kept it. You had it the whole time. But you now you're into his economy. You got a mansion. You're, you know, you've got a rebuilt body that'll never die. And, you know, you've got to skip out. Think about that. How many of us have family members that died without Christ? They're in a Christless house. How many of them tried to tell their family members about Christ? They didn't want to listen. It wasn't, it wasn't important to them. But, you know, he's going to give people chances. He's going to continue to give people chances. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Nobody. doesn't want you to. He does not want you. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, I'm going to turn here. You can't. i got to go down here. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through nor steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Lay up your treasures up there. You know, I think you know, I was talking, talking earlier about guys attacking other guys that are soul winning and doing things. Because, you know, hey, let me tell you something about those guys. Those guys that do that, they're covering something up. If you did a dig on them, you find that they're covering something up somewhere. Because if I did something wrong as a kid, I, I usually say, oh, my brother did it. Or my sisters did it. <laughs> I point to, you know, because I didn't want them to know I did it. Okay. So there's more going on when people can't keep their mouths shut and not nail on other people. There's something they're covering up. There's something wrong. Right. That's all I'm going to say about that. Lamps for yourself, treasures in heaven. I got to think that the Lord, if it's an abomination for, for others to, to uh, sow discord among the brethren, I got to think that maybe they're losing some of their rewards in heaven. There's verses about that. I don't have time to go. I've probably got two or three hours worth of preaching here. I gotta be kind of selective of what I say. Okay. Um, another thing the Lord's gonna give you when you when you go and you get stand before him one day, and you, you're not gonna stand, brother, sister. None of you, you're not gonna stand. Because what he's gonna do, he's gonna give you all crowns. I'm gonna go over these crowns in a second. But you know what the Bible says? That when we get up to heaven and we, we're in front of Christ, we're gonna be on our face like this. We're going to be down here like this. And we're going to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. That's what we're doing. I, I'm not going to go up to Jesus and say, Oh, man, i got this great crown, Lord. You've given me a soul winner's crown because I knocked doors. Aren't I something, Jesus? Hand put it there, Jesus. I'm not going to say that to Christ, am I? I'm going to be on my face. Because I'm in front of the King, Lord of Lords and King of Kings right there. And I'm just sin. That's all I am. But you know what I think Jesus is going to do? This fits his way. You know, actually, he took the, the disciples 
and he got a pan. And he, uh, you know, over there in Israel, they walk through the streets. And you know what they do? Like they do in Europe and stuff. They take these pans of like uh, kaka, stuff that comes out of a bathroom, like, you know, kaka and liquid. And they take it out to their bathroom and they'll go pour it in the streets. So when you're walking through the streets with your animals or your sandals, what are you walking in? You're walking in that stuff, aren't you? And what Jesus did, took a pan, humbled himself, washed their feet. Washed their feet. Talk about humble. <laughs> if he was willing to wash their feet with all that junk on there, he was willing to take their crowns I think this belongs to you, God. Here's your crown. That's right. Here's your crown. Here's your crown. Yeah, let me give you your crowns. I want you to have it. And you earn it. Well done, though, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I think that's what Jesus is going to do. So that when you rule and reign, don't know who you are. Are your crowns? I just, just happen to think so. I, I sit around and think of this stuff sometimes. When I'm, you know, doing something down in the barn or whatever. I think of these things. I'm going to go over these crowns. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. We'll go over all five of the crowns. There's five crowns. And I'm here to tell you that I think every one of you has at least one. And I'll tell you why. I saw my daughter-in-law that the other day. I said, oh yeah, I think we got more than, we at least have a crown each. I think the Lord wants it. We're going to go over it. So 1 Corinthians 9, 25. You there, say amen. amen. Okay, amen. The Bible says, uh, well, anyway, you know what? I had that verse wrote down. I don't right here. Somebody want to read it? And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Right. An incorruptible crown. You know what that is? That's that is an incorruptible crown. Striving for the mastery. Someone that wants to teach you things, a pastor. You know, someone that wants to teach you things, an evangelist. Someone that wants to teach you things at your door. That would be someone striving for the mastery, wouldn't it? I mean, sounds good. Crown of life. Um, James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10. Go there. Actually, I'll go there too. Thought I had wrote them down. Actually, I'll go to Revelation 2.10. Give you time to get there. Revelation 2. Verse 10 says, but chiefly them that, oh, I'm in for Second Peter. Oh, that's not good. Revelation 2.10. The Bible says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It's a crown of life. Let's say any of us are martyrs. We're going to get that crown of life. For being a martyr. Be faithful unto death. That could happen. It could happen. Has anybody got James 1.12? They can read it. Anybody, just 
blurt it out, I don't care. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The promise to them that love him. All you guys who love Jesus, think he's going to give you that crown of life? I so. I don't know how he's going to do it, but the Lord, he's so crafty. He's a, he's a wonderful, he's a master carpenter. So if he wanted to make a crown that could be like five crowns all in one, he could do it. He could. I couldn't. I work with metals a lot. But the Lord could do that. I know he could. But he, he could make them all grow out of each other or something. He's got animals with several heads and, you know, things like that. And the Bible in Revelation, doesn't he? It's pretty cool. That's crown number two, by the way. So you seeing yourself with any of these crowns on yet? Pretty nice to think about. Crown of glory. Uh, for those who faithfully care for the flock. There's your pastor again, the pastors. 1 Peter 5, verse 2 through 4. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 2 through 4. So we'll go there. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our even our faith. So there's your victory, your crown. Um, 1 Peter 5, verse 2 through 4. Come. Okay. Crown of righteousness for, is uh, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Somebody gets there, you want to read it, go ahead and read it. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. That love is appearing. See, love is appearing, he's going to give you that crown. Boy, it sounds like he's kind of double, double doing you, dipping you crowns a lot. He's giving you crowns. Okay, the crown of rejoicing is... 1 Thessalonians 2.19. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. I'll let somebody read it when they get there. Somebody got it? 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Go ahead and read it. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown, or rejoicing? Are not even we in the presence of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Yep. Here's your soul winner's crown. So you got an incorruptible crown, crown of life, crown of glory, crown of righteousness, and the soul winner's crown. You see yourself getting one or more of those crowns. I don't think he wants you to be without a crown. I think he wants you to have a crown. Because when you're ruling and reigning with him over the ones that are around the earth at that time, kind of want to know who, who's who. He wants you to have those crowns. That's just awesome. So you've got not only a temporary existence to heaven, you got your rebuilt body, you got your man's piddly retirement plan, you got a thousand year rule and reign with Christ. But after that's done, now. You know, after after Satan's loose for a little season and he tricks the people and they come and they you know he sends fire out of heaven and destroys them. Then comes down a new heavens and a new earth. Think about it. 
So you not only have all this other stuff I said, a thousand you rule and reign, but now you're going to be with Christ and the Father forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, not a thousand years, but for the rest of all eternity. In new heavens and a new earth. And I've often wondered, are we going to just think about being in the new heavens and be there? Are we going to be able to fly there? Do we just beam ourselves up like Scotty? What do we do? But you're going to be on a new earth where there's no more sea. You know why? Because he's going to give your property rights back. He wants everybody to have property. So I think, you know, the property that we have, we'll have the property. You know, just some awesome thoughts. I think it'd be hard to disprove some of this stuff. And then by the same token, some of it may be harder to prove. But, I mean, I just speculate this. But I do know, you got man's plan, you got God's plan. You got God's plan, you got heaven, you got ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years, and you, you got your, um, after the millennium, you've got your time with the God the Father. When it says, his name's going to be wrote in your forehead. Why do you think the devil wants to make that different now? He wants to put in your forehead or in your hand a mark so you're going to worship him. And I don't know, you know, what's coming with everything coming, you know, lately. But I think it's just precursors to what's coming down the road. You know, trying to force things on people and do things that uh, we would have never done. How do I get into this plan? You can't just sit here and get into God's plan if you don't have Jesus. you got to have Jesus. I'm saying it not so much for the people here because I believe everybody's here is saved. But there's people out there in the real world that aren't saved. Or they think they're saved. They think, well, I've turned from enough sins. I'm saved now. I had a preacher one time tell me, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not going to say his name. I don't think anybody here would know him. And he told me years ago that he had a pit bull. And his other friend had a pit bull. And they put the pit bulls in a cage. And these, these guys are like uh, 60s and 70s dope-smoking hippies. And he said that his pit bull started to kill another guy's pit bull, so he pulled his pit bull off the guy. And the guy says, what are you, some kind of Jesus freak? And he said, that's how you knew you were saved. If somebody show me that from the King James Bible. If somebody calls you a Jesus freak because uh, your pit ball was killing another pit ball, but that's how you know you're saved. <laughs> would you would somebody show me that, please? Because that's not what salvation is, is it? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. These were all sinners. God meant it so much, he said it twice. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They need to realize they're sinners. Without Christ, if you're going to a Christless house. Now, you know, if you got the thief on the cross and he's uh, he's saying, you got Jesus, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom? You got the guy in the temple, God be merciful, be a sinner. They just need to realize their lost condition. Now, I think too many times people will go in these fishermen's clubs and stuff at these big mega colleges. And I'm not against big mega colleges, okay? I'm not. If they're winning souls the right way, fine. But I think a lot of them will have contests. And if you are in this contest, the one that, that gets the most souls won gets pizza party or something. Well, then they're going to go, hey, would you like to be saved? Well, I, I don't know. Well, just repeat this little prayer for me. And then they lead them in a prayer. They never told them they were sinners. 
They never told them their sin had to be paid for. They never told them that Jesus paid for their sin. They never told them my faith and trust is sort of shall call upon the Lord, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection, believing in eternal life, shall be saved. They don't tell them that. They just run it through a prayer. Now that, if there was the term easy believism, I would call easy believism. Then you got the group over here that says, well, if I was really saved, I wouldn't have a desire to sin anymore. <laughs> would you please take this Bible and show me where that is? <laughs> that which I don't want to do, I do. That which I do want to do, I don't. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, I didn't have assurance of my salvation. So I know I wasn't saved because I didn't repent hard enough. They're listening to guys like Paul Washer, and I'll blast him because he's not one of us. Amen. Oh, if I was really saved, I would have to stop sinning, or I would do this or do that. Works. Works. You've got to meet somewhere in the middle. Not having them pray a little prayer that they didn't know they were sinners. But look at the parable of the sower. It said, neither did they understand. Matthew. Go to Matthew, read the parable of the sower. Neither did they understand. Then the wicked one came and sowed that which was sown in their house, took it away. They need to understand their sinful condition and that they have to put their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone eternally. And not this, well, if I don't walk the right path, I'm going to lose my salvation. Oh, they take a couple verses and butcher them. Literally butcher them. I've got friends that got sucked into that stuff. That's wrong. You're going to think you're going to keep your salvation? I think about Jesus saying that we're in his hand. And He's in the Father's hand. No man can pluck you out of his hand. I had a preacher one time tell my wife, well, we can jump out. Really? <laughs> oh, there's hell down there. That looks so inviting. I see people screaming, ah! wailing and gnashing of teeth. I want to jump out and go there. Let me burn. Right. Who in their wrong mind would think that, let alone their right mind? Things are crazy in this world, folks. I, I hurt for this generation. Because when I was coming up, I had guys like Jack Hiles and just plain blast them and tell them like it was. Yeah. You know, they came out and really tried to nail him. He didn't have nothing. His daughter was proven to be a liar and did that TED Talk against him. That's just sad. Look, you're a sinner. Sin's got to be paid for. Jesus already paid for our sins. <laughs> None righteous, no, not one. For all of sin comes toward the glory of God. But God commendeth. That's a big word, means to demonstrate. God commendeth, or he demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I've, I've, I've had people burst into tears at a door. I went out soul one with this young man down in, in uh, Cincinnati a year or so ago. We saw some souls saved, didn't we? We did. We were doing the old-fashioned plan, you know. We had Muslims telling us we were crazy. Hey, you're nuts. I don't want that Jesus. Oh, you'll want Jesus one day. You're going to fall at his feet and say, please, please let me in your heaven. Please don't send me to hell. And just say, look, I died for you. I sent this guy to talk to you. And you wouldn't listen to me. 
I'm sorry, I just never knew you. I'm sorry, depart. He's going to tell a lot of these uh, Paul Washington type guys, depart, I never knew you. And works to salvation, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might, not a hope. Too many times in the Bible. By the way, it's always been the same salvation. This uh, whole uh, Pete Ruckman, Ruckmanite type thing, you know, seven different, 10, 12 different plans of salvation. Yeah, there's always been one plan. Look unto me and be ye saved, for I am God and there's none else. He said that in the Old Testament. Saved the same way. Go back to uh, Genesis. Then began men to call on the name of the Lord. You know, at the birth of Seth. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. First generation hadn't even lived out their life yet. Been sold a bill of goods, folks. People, you know, try to infiltrate and tell you, oh yeah, I'm saved, blah, blah, blah. You get to question them, well, you know, I, I, do, I keep this and I do that. And I, 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 I. I get sick of I. I want to hear about him. Amen. I want to hear about what they did. I want to hear about what he did and what he's doing now. So if you're not excited, thinking, man, I got all these retirement plans. What am I going to do? Enjoy them. You know, you're working on a great commission. You said you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you roller over this many or this many or this many. Just to paraphrase it. He loves you so much that the Father was willing to send his son Jesus to die in your place. What a trade-off. Trading our sin and everything for what he's got and trusting in ourselves for trusting in what he did. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. Because if you get saved, most likely your kids will get saved. I watch all my kids get saved. Every one of them. They all came to me, Dad, I don't think I'm saved. I go up and pray with them next to the bed. Man, God saved me at the revival. I remember the day. I remember the guy, that uh, the uh, evangelist that came and led him to Christ. You know, he gives us everlasting life. He's never going to take it away. Everlasting. Like the everlasting bunny, you know, the, the, the ever-ready bunny. Boom, 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 boom. But it just never ends. It just goes on and on and on We're never going to lose that salvation. It doesn't matter what happens. It's not up to us. It's up to him. I'm sure this gets out online. We're going to hear some stuff. But I don't really care. I really don't care. Because you know the ones that are going to rail on us? Then you'll know who they were. Won't you? Oh, they said that about me. I don't think I mentioned any names, did I? But they all probably. Now, maybe I better not say anything. Like the guys at the, at the, when the, the woman caught in adultery, she was caught in the very act. And Jesus said, yeah. Well, those of you without sin cast the first stone. Wonder how many of them guys might have known her on a, like a weekend basis somewhere. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know what their sin was. The Lord said, if you're without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. What did they do? They all left. Who's the accuser of the saints? Satan. Do you want to be... Uh, looking like him, attacking this brother or this brother or this sister. You want to look like Satan by attacking other people? I don't think you want to do that. 
Because the Lord said it, it, it makes him want to puke. It's an abomination to him. He don't want that. Well, I could go on for a lot longer, but I'm going to knock down. <laughs> I've had enough fun tonight. But I'll tell you what. Ruin rain with him. If you're here and you haven't trusted Christ and him alone, don't, don't. Don't change it. Tonight. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now. Today. Don't say, well, you know, when I was two, uh, Grandma said I prayed a real nice prayer, but I don't remember it. You don't remember praying and trusting? Make your calling an election chair. Don't go to hell for Grandma. Please don't do that. Don't. I believe everybody here is saved. You know, look, if you're not, as a written, as non righteous, don't let one. You know, you're a sinner. Sin's got to be paid for. Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. God commended his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. You know why it's important to believe that God had raised him from the dead? Because only God could raise himself from the dead to prove that Jesus was God. He said, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it again. Jews, they looked around, pious as they did. Oh, we're at Solomon's temple. What? That took us 46 years to build that thing. You're going to raise it in three days? He said, no. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it again. I have power to raise my life. I have power, uh, power to... Power, uh, I'll butcher that verse. <laughs> power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again unto myself. This power have I gotten from my Heavenly Father. So, Jesus proved he was God. 2020 years ago, he rose from the dead. I wonder why we're in the year 2020. Revolution's true, man. Shouldn't we be in the year 65 million or something like that? <laughs> Seriously. Why are we in the 2020? Why did he want to take on the side of the buildings that were made maybe 100 years ago? And they'll say, 1881 AD, Animus Domini, after the death of Jesus Christ, and make it A-C-E, after the common era. Who did he want to take out? I'll take Jesus out of the whole equation. If Jesus wasn't a threat, why is it all the well, no, the uh, the people that cuss and swear the atheists they'll use Jesus they'll, they'll say J C but they'll use it as a swear word. Well, if he doesn't exist, why use his name? Why don't they say Old Buddha or Gosh Darwin? It. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or come up with uh, cuss words to or their their prophets and their priests. They won't do that. Big bang it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I'm gonna pray. What is that? We had some fun. Father, I just come to you in the precious name of Jesus. If there's anyone here that needs to uh, be saved tonight, I don't think there is. But if there's one that needs to trust Christ, I pray that they'll come talk to one of the men here, or if they're a woman, talk to one of the ladies, and not leave here not knowing for sure. Because, Lord, you said, uh, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Help them to know tonight. In the precious name of Christ, bless this night. Amen. Amen.